0: Yo, and welcome back to the EPM Show. This is all things Enterprise Performance Management, where we're doing our best to give you an unfair career advantage. And it is the first episode of 2023, guys. Welcome to the new year with us. We are super pumped for this year. We have an incredible roster of guests and episodes in the queue and planned. And today's episode with Brittany Martino is no exception. She's amazing. She's well on her way to becoming a solution architect. She has a really cool background that you're going to hear about. And she gives some practical advice on why you should understudy underneath multiple solution architects. And she also talks about what does it look like to gain mentorship and how you should have between five, maybe even 15 different mentors in your life, in your work, and how you can get those within your firm. Some great tips for going about that. And she also shares why it's important to be uncomfortable and how if you really want to grow in your career, you're going to have to get uncomfortable. And she gives some examples of what that's looked like for her in her career. And then she also talks about certifications. We all know they're so important, but she talks about what's more important than that and how to gain true fluency. And so if you're someone who wants to be fluent in your work, she talks about ways to do that and how she's pursuing that in her work. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Without further ado, let's jump into the show. Brittany Martino, welcome to the EPM show.
1: Thank you. glad to be here.
0: Glad to have you. So before we get into the meat of our show today, we're going to hit you with our patented question. And that is, we want to hear about you and your career in 60 seconds. So we have a little Timer for you.
1: I went to the Haas School of Business at UC Berkeley. Go Bears. Started my career at Deloitte in forensic accounting. Went to focus on litigation. Worked at FTI. Found a cool mentor. Followed him to Stone. Tree. Did about four years of intellectual property damages there. And then started my own consulting firm. Did that for a couple of years. And then went in-house and did finance at Genoa. That's where I learned Anaplan. And then I decided to make the leap and go back into consulting and uh, work for analytics.
0: Okay, so you got to share something more on the personal side. What else?
1: I have two kids and they are the driving force behind me wanting to work from home. So, hey, that's respect. kind of what led me to working for analytics, yeah.
2: That's awesome. And I feel like I feel like the end of that with your two kids is going to probably dovetail nicely into our the next kind of segment which is a fun personal question. So Brittany, what is the most fun you've had in the last few months?
1: So my daughter last month for her birthday decided that she wanted to do roller skating and she, she really, she couldn't roller skate. They have those little like walker things. And I was like, oh, that's great. She'll have a walker. And I was like, do they sell them for me? It had been been a long time. And I wanted nothing less than to fall in front of a whole gaggle of six-year-olds, but they, Sadly, did not have a walker that was my size, but I actually did. I did fine. I had a lot of fun. I stayed upright for the most part. And then we've actually gone back twice since. So apparently that's the place to have birthday parties down here. So I've gotten to do it more and I I think I might even go this week. So, you know.
2: That is so fun. So, are you going to join a roller derby league, something like that? Like, are we are we getting close?
1: No, but I will say I love watching the people that can like skate backwards and like you know whip around. And I'm like, oh, maybe one day. I don't know.
2: I have full faith that you'll get there.
0: I believe in you. Hey, we have a good mentor for you, Haley. Hey, she is a roller derby queen. We 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 found this out yes. in the prior episode. <laughs> yeah. That's what I need. Mentors. to do it. Hey, this is great. So we're super excited for this show because we think it has a lot of application for a lot of our audience, and that's gonna be how do you make the jump? So you've been you've had a really successful career starting in consulting, you were in-house for a little bit, you're back into consulting, you've been exposed to Anaplan, I think you said about three and a half years ago, if that was right, Brittany, and you've grown so much yeah. in your in your in your career already, just using that tool, leveraging that tool. Talk to us about what has that journey looked like for you, and what made you actually what made you choose your your latest opportunity with Alitics? And then talk to us about like what does that journey look like in terms of growing your growing your skill set in AnaPlan, and what's next for you?
1: Yeah, so I would say you know at each point in my career, I had to kind of sit back and ask myself what it was that I really enjoyed what it was that i was passionate about because i really feel like if you're not passionate about what you're doing you're not going to seek out opportunities to learn right so you know as i got more exposure as i found new things i realized that there were you know additional avenues that i could explore in my career which always kept me learning going in-house at genoa was kind of a real shift in my mindset. I didn't think of myself as a particularly technical person. So it was kind of eye-opening to be half in my comfort zone, which is fp and finance. I'm a CPA. You know, to so be half in that comfort zone and then have this side of it where I was getting to learn and explore the more technical side and really succeed in that. And that was exciting for me. So that for me was kind of a, a jumping point to say, oh, maybe this is like the next thing that I want to pursue. So then it's like, you know, how do I do that? And I kind of just applied the same sort of logic that I'd always used in consulting, which is seek out your mentors, right? So, you know, at every consulting firm and at most companies, you're provided with your mentor, right? Your, your person that guides you and helps you through, you know, company culture or company policies or whatever it is but they're also there for technical knowledge and I realized that just one mentor just wasn't enough for for my development and how I wanted to learn and so I would highly recommend you to find you know 5 10 if you can manage it at your company or your consulting firm 15 people that you can have in your toolkit that you can ask questions of right so if you ask one person questions all day long, they would probably give you less and less time. They would probably not maybe spend the time on the answers, right? They might get annoyed, right? So, if you have 10 different people and you go to those 10 different people with one question each, you're going to get a variety of different backgrounds. You're going to get a, you know, a fresh clean, hey, I'm willing to help you attitude and you're going to just develop those relationships with people where they can see I ask questions and I've had people be like, oh, you're doing something really cool. Or I love the way you ask questions about this, or I can really see your thought process and get that feedback and then start seeing how you think and how you work. And then the next, you know, it, they're, hey, can Brittany work on my project? So it goes both ways to opening up opportunities for you, not just as a resource for you to kind of draw on, but also to be top of someone's mind when they go to think, who do I want to give this opportunity to? you're, you're kind of there. So in a lot of people's minds. So it's really good.
2: I love your, your point around kind of spreading the love a little bit, right? Kind of identify people and kind of what their strength is. And then, you know, dig in with them on that specific area, but you're not, you're not just always kind of hitting up the same person over and over again. Another episode that we had previously, I know a a mentor and good friend of yours we've had on the show, but Genoa. And I also know that you're super passionate about getting out of your comfort zone as a way to drive and grow your career. Can you talk a little bit about how, when you're looking for a mentor, making sure that mentor is going to intentionally push you outside of your comfort zone and just the role of the mentor in getting you out of your comfort zone.
1: Yeah. So I am a big fan of just saying what you mean. So Mm -hmm. if you want opportunities in certain areas and you've noticed that, Hey, so-and-so does this, I'm in a remote firm. I find the work to be the simple part and sometimes the connecting is a hard part. So seek out the person who works on the culture committee and, you know, get in with them and say, hey, can I help you plan events? And you can be completely transparent about it. Hey, I see that you're working on supply chain projects and I would really like to get that experience. Or I see that you're working a lot in the beauty industry and I want to see that. Or I would love to see restaurant planning. You just go and you seek out those people. You'll, you'll learn from just talking to them what they're working on. and you can say, hey, if you get another one of X projects, think of me. I think for me, I'm one of those people that's very direct. That doesn't obviously work for everybody. You know, That's not comfortable. But part of what I think really contributes to growth is being uncomfortable and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? So if you have an opportunity presented to you. Maybe it's not what you wanted. Maybe it's something you know nothing about, but you could say yes and just caveat with, "Hey, I I've never worked on this type of project before or, you know, this industry is new to me or I don't know a thing about workforce planning or whatever it is." And you just say, "Hey, this is where I'm at." And a lot of times people are going to meet you halfway. They're going to want to help, they're going to want to teach, and you're going to grow from it and let's say you decide higher education isn't for you or supply chain isn't for you. You will use those things that you learned in other applications. So it's not a waste of time. And I really feel like finding out what you don't want to do is so big. I mean, that's, it's huge. Right. And you could think, Hey, I really want to get on this type of project, get on it and hate it. Like now, you know, and now it's not an aspiration anymore. And now you can focus on something that might be more meaningful to you. So, I really do feel like getting out of your comfort zone not only builds your skills but it really f- it helps you figure out you know what you want to do
0: we like to say growth and comfort do not coexist if you really want to grow you <laughs> have to you have to get uncomfortable so maybe talk to us more Brittany about what did that look like for you I don't know if you have any examples of that where it was like hey you you did things that made you uncomfortable and maybe like you just said maybe it wasn't you found out that wasn't your favorite thing in the long run, but what has that looked like for you in choosing to do things that made you uncomfortable?
1: Yeah. You know, I think for me, it's, it's very ingrained in me because I started my career in consulting. So everything, <laughs> everything was uncomfortable for like the first four years, I swear. But that's because I was trying to build up my internal skill set and my knowledge and, you know, the, the kind of general knowledge that I can apply to every, Project that I'm on, and so what's interesting is over time you you lose some of that discomfort, right? You lose some of that because you have such a good skill set built up. So for me, it really looked like joining Genoa. And Stephanie was like, "Hey, do you know AnaPlan?" I'm like, "I don't, but I can learn absolutely anything, right?" I I know that I'm. A self starter. I'm going to seek out information so I know that I can succeed there. And so, was it uncomfortable? Yeah. Did she literally have to push me at one point? Yes. She (laughs) she was like, okay, get in there and make this change in the model. And I was like, I'm gonna break something, you know. And she was like, no, you're gonna go at your desk and you're gonna do it. So sometimes, you know, it was my mentor Stephanie who who did have to really push me because. I didn't want to play with models that are determining what a pharmacy does and doesn't do. At the times when I couldn't push myself, I had good mentors that could push me. So I think if you set yourself up to be in a position where you have all these mentors and you're learning, you're going to have less of those moments. But when you do encounter one and you do freeze up, which I feel like everyone does, having a good mentor is really going to push you over the edge. And I don't want to make it sound like it's something that I could always do on my own because it's not, right? There have been people at every step who've been like, Brittany, you can do this. I know you can.
0: Big shout out to Stephanie, who <laughs> but was an amazing guest herself, but also for introducing us to you, Brittany, as well for this episode. I'm struck by when you talk about mentorship, you sometimes were given a formal mentor. I know in my career. I was given formal mentors, and sometimes those relationships were extremely productive and just very special. Other times, those formal mentor relationships, to be honest, it wasn't a great match. What, what to me, what made yeah. what made yeah. the biggest impact for me in my career were the mentorships that that did come more natural, but also the ones that I pursued, and those a lot of times weren't the formal mentorships; those were the informal mentorships. So, hearing you talk about, hey, if you can actually if you can actually get to know and learn from fifteen people in your firm, how incredible would that be? And those do not look like formal mentor relationships where they feel like they're signing up for something and you yeah. feel like you're signing up for something. It looks like it looks like people who can be who can be a resource for you and who you can learn from and who you can also kind of help give back to. And that's what I wanted to ask you about next, Brittany, is how have you looked to be able to bring value? Into some of those mentor relationships yourself. What does that look like
1: in the informal mentor relationships? It's not so much about the reviews and the meetings and the you know like the monthly cadence and all of that stuff. I have mentors that are solutions architects, and I have solutions architects call me and say, "Hey, Brittany, will you walk through this with me? And I want to run this by you because I think that you will be able to." you know, solve whatever issue or, or just like, Hey, I'm being stupid with dashboards. Will you help me? And it feels good that that relationship goes from one sided to going both ways, because you know, you don't want to be the person who's constantly like, Hey, I've got a problem. I need help. So to have it feel so much more natural is amazing. And to also know that the Solutions Architects they don't necessarily have all the answers, right? They're just a little further along in their career. They've taken on a new role, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to have either model building questions and you know, solutions architecting questions. And honestly, I think it's really important to recognize that we all excel at different things, right? Like there are certain people at the firm that are like, if you have a big data set, you got to go to them. If you have a weird thing where you're like, I have no idea there's another person for that who like has all these really strange one-off, like how to really make beautiful exports. There's a guy for that, you know, like, and, and someone talking to me will learn what I'm good at and then value me for that information. So I can already see that happening. And I think it's super special to be able to provide it sort of both ways, which. Is, I guess the hope for really any mentoring relationship.
2: I love that you brought up the solution architects at your firm and how that's become a bit of a two-way for you in the way you've developed those relationships and the way you're able to add value to them. And you know, I know that you're kind of on that cusp of, of, of pursuing the solution architect certification yourself. Can you maybe talk a little bit about your approach to the Anaplan journey? Because I think it's super different and super valuable for our listeners. I'd love to hear you kind of expound on that a little bit more.
1: I think it's a really good question because when you look at the trainings that are offered by Anaplan, you can go and get your model builder certificate and you can get your solutions architect certificate. But I feel like that's really kind of the bare minimum. I kind of use the analogy, like it's like learning a language, right? You've taken the introductory class. If it takes you 40 hours, like you're not going to speak a language. You could even take probably a year and not like fluently speak a language. So. I feel the same way about it. I think that it gives you a lot of information. I think that it's a really good resource, but it's not the end all be all for what makes you a model builder or solutions architect. So for me, my, my goal and, and what I've clearly stated to the people in my firm who do staffing my mentor in my, you know, calls with partners. I just make it clear that I really want to work with a lot of different solutions architects because Everyone is good at something different and everyone does have a different style and people have tips and tricks. And if I can collect all of those things while I'm a model builder working with them, then I'll have them to use when I'm a solutions architect. So my goal over the next year is to really kind of hone my skills and build that skill set for me that looks like an amalgamation of the things that I liked the most out of each person's style or skills that, that I was able to, to witness through working with them. So it's definitely something where it could happen that you end up on lots of different essays, projects, but I feel like going to my point earlier about being direct about things, if I state my intention, I'm more likely to get what I need. So for me, it's about letting everybody know who makes the decisions and, you know, allowing them to have me top of mind when they're making their staffing and say, hey, who has she worked with, who has she not worked with, and then making that happen for me. And it, it's been fantastic. I've actually not worked on a project with the same essay, even, like, I haven't had a repeat yet. And So that's
0: pretty awesome. Wow. I hear that. And so I want to make sure our audience catches that in terms of this is not just about doing what it takes to check off the box to get the formal annual plan certification. This is about, if you're trying to become a top-notch SA, a top-notch solutions architect, you have to put in the extra work. You have to speak the language. And I know you've already taken the opportunity to bring in to architect some of your own projects already, at least in, in, in different ways. But the fact that you've Try to be an understudy, a, a intentionally understudy people, different essays, and you put that out to your mentors and the people that be that, Hey, I'd love to get exposed to someone else and see how they work. That kind of intentionality is going to, it's going to set you apart in huge ways. And so that's, that's a great practical tip and nugget for others who are looking to make that jump. They might be a, a model builder now, but they're looking to go on and, and become a robust Solutions Architect. This is this is the kind of thought process you want to employ. I have a question for you before we let you out, and that is: Do you have any big, hairy, audacious goals, Brittany, that you are going after these days, whether it's career-wise or personal life-wise? Yeah,
1: I do. Actually, I am learning French, hey. so i I'm I'm three months in. So, mind you, not not super far. I've been speaking to other people who are learning languages, and they're like three or four years in and, and feeling really comfortable and starting to really feel like they're thinking in that language. And I'm, I'm not obviously there yet. Cause I'm just brand new, but it's, it feels like my mind is working and that's good. <laughs> so I'm always looking for things to make my, my brain work and, and chew on things. So yeah, that's what I'm working on.
0: That's awesome. Well, Hey, this has been an absolute blast, Brittany. Thanks so much for coming on the show and being a, Awesome. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I think this is an amazing idea and I'm actually excited to go and listen to the other ones and get some (laughs) tidbits myself.
0: Love it. Thanks so much. Thanks for being on Brittany. (laughs) There you go. Look at you. (laughs) Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Wherever you're consuming this, if it's YouTube, if it's Apple podcasts, Spotify, we appreciate you make sure you're subscribed. We have a lot more amazing guests on the way, a lot more great content. We're doing our best to bring you value and have fun while we do it. Uh, we really want this to be a career advantage listening to this show and we want you to enjoy it. So it means a lot. Make sure you're subscribed for what's what's to come. And also if you're up for it, it would mean a lot if you leave us a like, a comment, a rating, a review, whatever platform you're on. That really helps and it gets us fired up when we see those. So I appreciate you guys. Find us on LinkedIn. I'm Blake Bozarth, my co-host Chad Pike with a Y. Would love to connect with you there. Have an awesome day. See you next time. Peace.